When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. I can see uh, Josh Landy via the wonders of the internet. Um, how are you doing, Josh? I'm well. If you're still getting excited by video calls three months into lockdown, I'm just so excited that you're still excited by this because well, I'm so over it. I watched I watched 2001 A Space Odyssey the other day, um, which I tend to do once every six months or so. And of course, there's a video, there's a famously a video phone call scene in the film, which is an extended sequence in which the character... Um, has a video conference, so basically from the moon, I think, down to his down to his family on Earth, and it, and it, and so that it does emphasise the wonder of this technology. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, it's Josh. It is 49 hours as we speak, and 15 minutes on Monday evening before the resumation of the Premier League. Is that a word? No. Um, resumption. In which, resumption. Thank you. That's, that was the voice of our guest. I was going to do a big build-up, Alan. I'll do a big build-up in a minute. Um, to the resumption of the Premier League football, Manchester City versus Arsenal. So well, our game, anyway. Obviously, there's another game on before us. Uh, Sheffield United, uh, Villa. Um, so it's an exciting moment. So I thought, you know, we thought, well, we've had, you know, various guests on over recent times. We've done kind of special podcasts and we've, you know, had not much to talk about. But now, effectively, we're back to normal. So we thought we'd bring back staunch iconoclast, provocateur, betting expert, all-round legend, Alan Alger. How, hello, Alan. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. You got all the celebs out of the way while, you know, the football yeah. wasn't on. Now yeah. Now we've got the real, the real deal. <laughs> you. I've enjoyed it anyway. It's been great. Thanks. How has your lockdown been? It's not been too bad. Um I mean, obviously, you know, more important things are going on. But just in, in my world, uh, the, my job hasn't changed that much. been able to work from home, spend a bit more time with my son. So um, in that way, it's been quite positive. But that hasn't been that much. It hasn't been that much. Apart, recently, horse racing's come back, hasn't it? But before then, when there wasn't much betting going on, like were you like, you know, kind of betting on how many times ministers would say that's a really good question in the press conferences every day? Or what were you doing? I mean, we, we did have some innovative markets like that, but overall, people just found other things to, to bet on or they just, you know, eased their activity and waited for the, the horse racing to come back. And um, that obviously happened a couple of weeks ago and the Bundesliga kicked off about a month ago. So it, it hasn't felt like that long. Um, it's felt like it's gradually eased back in, in such a way. So that period where there wasn't much on seems a long way away. Yeah. Yeah. And have you been, uh, as I said, obviously we're, we're now 
less than 48 hours away from from um, Premier League back and Arsenal on TV, etc. Are you are are you excited, thrilled? Were you in favour all, all along of Project Restart and making sure that football was coming back? You know, do you feel now is the time? What, what's your general feeling about it? Um, I've got differing views on this. Uh, I need to remove all of my betting views on this because uh, it has been difficult for for bookmakers and punters based on the fact that. Some of these seasons haven't played out to their conclusion in the lower leagues yet. Mm. The bets are still being paid out as if the whole season had, had resumed. Um, so I think in non-league, I think it's, it's, it's very harsh on some of these teams that were just getting into form in March and now they've been settled on a points-per-game basis. So I think the Premier League have done it right. I know there's, there's more money in the Premier League. I know that there are much higher penalties for them to fail on their TV deals. But the fact that the league is going to be played to conclusion is a good thing. The difference in empty stadiums, well, it is going to be a big thing. And um, we're already seeing that in the Bundesliga. Home advantage has almost been wiped out. And that stat isn't actually based at all around who was expected to win the game. Because in fact, the favourites are not winning their home games as much as well. So even when teams are favourites at home, they're not winning. Um, I noticed that we actually kick off with four away games on the spins. Maybe that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. It's a, that, so that's going to affect the betting, isn't it? Presumably, if you, you have to look at those things. The effect the Bundesliga's had, um, the, 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 the change in home and away advantage or the lack of advantage as you say and the, the Liga started as well did you watch any of La Liga which was where they had um, like the CGI crowd and that was kind of slightly different vibe to it wasn't it I saw some highlights from that someone someone made a clip of some uh, where the, the the guy pressed the button wrong so it yeah. actually cheered the goal rather yeah, than uh, hilarious yeah. you know, so I've seen some of that um, I mean I think they have got to try these things I'm not a big fan of the sort of fake noise or fake atmospheres but um, no in the Bundesliga it has been a 20% drop in, in home favourites winning wow. and that that will change the odds it, it is a small sample size I think they've had only five or, or six match days so far but I think it's going to be a difficult thing for those home teams without the crowds behind them I know some have said maybe tongue-in-cheek that if you've got a negative home crowd then you're going to benefit and I'm not sure where we fit into that. This season, maybe Arsenal do fit into that with, with what happened with Xhaka. And how long ago does that seem? It just doesn't even seem possible that that was this season. I know, I know. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost like been forgotten completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Did you watch any of the La Liga stuff, Josh? Did you see any of that? Only brief highlights. I, yeah. I wasn't watching all of it. I, I must be honest, I haven't got massively into the German or the Spanish. I think I'm one of those that has waited for the real thing so to speak which i wonder how many people have have gone to sky sports and bt sport this week and rung up and uh thought yeah okay i might not have had sky sports in the past but i've been sitting at home for three months now could be the time i suspect it's quite significant numbers yeah i think you're right yeah definitely and i think the other thing i think that's going to happen i know a few i think well, i think i'm we're doing this is that people are going to do like zoom um chat chats as well whilst watching the game you know people kind of in in, in place of uh actually going to games which we can't do people are going to gather on zoom and kind of watch stuff together if you do what i mean are you, gonna, are you tempted by that are you going to do that are you going to sit solitary and uh and uh, cry when arsenal lose 7-1 to man city on wednesday well i'm i'm tempted by the idea of trying to you know i might possibly do a socially distanced garden with a with a friend i think we're we're exploring that as a possibility so i, I don't know about watching with zoom on other people what if they're slightly ahead or behind of you i don't know i think i'm more oh, up god for i didn't a, thought of that shit yeah, yeah. It, it, okay. I, well it's it's going to be difficult and there's i i think you raise Social an interesting distance. point because because in fact of course, UHD visit. watching in UHD does delay does delay it slightly even though so watching in HD delays it and then UHD is another delay so yeah you're right oh fuck okay, I like that idea. Well, well, you, you, you might leap off your sofa and then yeah I'm gonna ruin it for everyone that. yeah it I can't not watch it in UHD I mean obviously um, Alan what's what's your feeling about Zoom Zoom um, Zoom social distanced watching of football. 
No, I'll pay attention <laughs> no. to the game and then <laughs> I'll uh, no, I'll be sitting here with my son. I'm looking forward to it. it, it even though it, it, we're starting with what is even with Liverpool's position in the league, on paper it is the most difficult game that you can have. So mm. um, I mean, let's get it out of the way. Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But I must say, Boyd, I mentioned just before we came on air, uh, Michael Richards, one of the, the the former players who I work with, is going to be doing punditry for Sky. I think we've got him and Jamie Carragher alongside David Jones at the Etihad at the Etihad for our oh. viewing Etihad for the for our viewing pleasure yeah. on Wednesday. And I must say that that the, the uh, emails I've seen in terms of just the preparation that everyone who's going to be anywhere near their stadium are, are doing. It is just incredible, and you just—it is the still reality that okay, the shops have reopened everywhere today, that people are slowly getting back to a level of normal, but there will not be any inside area for pundits. You know, they are outside at the stadium. There's nowhere for them to go inside. There is a very strict car parking, you know, situation where they're going to be distanced. There is no one to do the makeup of the pundits. There are all these difficulties that you just don't normally get. So where, wait a minute, where's uh, he going to do it from? Where are the pundits going to be then? They will be pitch side, but as in there's nowhere indoors. They are they are by the side of the you know they will be pitch side. Right. Okay. Um, but mo- most but, Sky does most a lot of pitch side stuff anyway, don't they? So it's not going to be too much of sure. A... But you would always have somewhere you could go. You know, while right. you're not on air, which if you can imagine, sure. there will be Aston Villa versus Sheffield United for. Uh, you know, a couple of hours. Yeah. You know, I you're alive. Than the, uh, the, Bundesliga, the Bundesliga, you had the commentators and the pundits like just doing it from home, didn't you? Which was really, which was quite kind of... Correct. So uh, originally, uh, originally, I, my understanding was that there was a thought process they would have to do everything from, you know, a studio in London. So we're, we're grateful. And I think just having the pundits at the stadium, yes, with no fans, will bring it to life a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, whereas if you just constantly went back to a studio, which is what is going to happen on on other um, on other broadcasters, I think it will just bring it to life a little bit more. But it just brought it home a little bit for me today, just about how different it, it really will be. Um, and also, Alan, I, I don't know what you think, but... You, Alan, you've played in these games a bit like I have sometimes at the end of a season where fans get a chance to play in the stadium or an Arsenal charity tournament. And those pictures I saw of our friendlies, which maybe we'll touch upon, the, you know, Charlton and Brentford, it just looks totally wrong. It looks like a photo of like competition winners who have won a chance to play there at this sort of time of year. It's it just so strange to to see the star players with with nothing in the background. And it just cannot be that that level of impetus and sharpness. I'm convinced that what Arteta said today in the press conference, that the pace of those friendly games, I imagine that will be replicated. We just won't see exactly the same product. Well, I always rubbish those interviews where players say, oh, I fed off the crowd or this inspired me to do, you know, run that extra yard. But you're right. When you look at those pictures, you think maybe, maybe they're onto something there. Maybe it does you know, give you that extra little bit of speed or, or desire to get to the ball. And, yeah, I've, I've loved playing in those games end of season and it's been great in an empty stadium. Um, but it feels completely different. I mean, even even at the, the Emirates when I've played in games like that, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like a match day Emirates and it wouldn't. Um, I, I probably should mention my last goal at Highbury now based on the fact that you're talking about all of my whole history of playing in empty stadiums. Uh, it was two, 200 people there that day for that football aid game where uh, I scored that penalty. Um, I think certain players who say that they switch off from the crowd and don't hear the crowd, you might hear some really interesting interviews about how it does affect them. Um, apparently, and I've been speaking to uh, our German football experts uh, at Betway and uh, apparently nothing's really been said about that. Nothing's really been said with any particular insight towards that uh, from, from those games, even though obviously this big uh, swing against home sides has, has happened. And, uh, you know, a lot of people used to think that that was the referees responding to the crowd. Um, there's never been a definitive answer as to why um, a home advantage exists as a thing. 
uh, other than the combination of things like being used to the pitch, the dressing rooms, obviously the crowd being behind you, sometimes the referees favouring uh, a team that's got more of the crowd behind them. But nobody has given a definitive answer. So uh, I think we might hear some really good interviews on that. Uh, by the way, if you're if you're talking to Misha, tell him that the weather forecast and they're not allowed anywhere inside is thunderstorms and rain for uh, Wednesday's game. Don't worry, we, we discussed that earlier, but glad <laughs> Sky, Sky, Sky confirmed they will be having some sanitised umbrellas ready for them. But, you know, you know things like, you know, usually you're dealing with, you know, transport and things. They are like, you know, obviously we know all the players have got to arrive by themselves. You know, so too the pundits, you know, Carragher, they've all got to drive themselves. There's no drivers back. So oh, it's difficult, it's, isn't it? No, of course it's not, but it's just, it's just, it makes you... It, Carragher's got to be careful because when he drives himself, he often accidentally uh, lobs phlegm at the, at the uh, annoying fans. Uh, but um, well, are, you say, are you saying that um, your mate, uh, Micah Richards, are you his agent, by the way? Is that, is that what you is, is it? Can't you kind of... Yeah, I look up for his media oh, work. Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, are you saying that does he have to get a test? Does he have to get a uh, a coronavirus test? Yeah, yeah and, and another thing that's really you know impressive, I guess, in a difficult time is that the Premier League have been doing huge efforts to speak to everyone who's going to be involved in broadcasting to do with the Premier League. So uh, I think there were three separate calls that people could join today, where um, you know everything was explained or on a, on a call that people could join and ask questions about how every aspect of the safety is going to work, how, you know, the substitutions, what they are allowing, what they aren't allowing. So they're doing everything they can to make sure that the pundits and the broadcasters are as informed as possible. And I think... Does he, have you been told, have you, have you been told what they're going to do about the, the crowd? Are they going to have that CGI type thing or, you know, because I haven't seen any um, I, I, confirmation I'm, from Sky what they're going to do about that. I'm not 100% sure. I think what was said um, is that there won't be crowd noise within the stadiums. So if a broadcaster, I think, what wanted to potentially put that, that was, of course, up, up to them. That wouldn't yeah. affect what was going on in the stadium. But in the actual stadium, whilst they're going to be allowed music when there's a goal or, you know, a celebratory kind of noise or music or, um, you know, something to, to mark a goal happening, that would be allowed, but not... Um, not throughout the game, which I remember the very first game I saw during this whole period was from South Korea on the yes. BBC website. Yes. And they yeah, had too, this yeah. crowd noise in the background. Yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. I just wasn't sure about it. But that, that's gone uh, from what we're going to experience, uh, I think, here in England. But whether the broadcasters put it on in the background, I'm, I'm actually not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. It's interesting, isn't it? He's very good value, by the way, Mike Richards, I think. He's been on Five Live a lot recently, so... Uh... He's yeah, he does good. a lot yeah. of the uh, Monday. Yeah, he's not doing the Monday night club to, tonight, but okay. uh, yeah, he's doing yeah. radio next week. I will pass on your kind pass wishes. Pass on my, my best, yeah. Fellow um, live uh, pundit and broadcaster oh, wow. by yourself. Exactly. Um, uh, Alan, do you, uh, would you rather... You were talking about how um, we are playing... the This is the hardest game, as you say, apart from Liverpool away, I guess, that you could possibly have. Are you... Is that... Do you think that's a good thing that we're coming back with this game? Or would you rather, do you think it'd be better for us to have a kind of a, you know, I don't know, a, a, as close to a home banker or not, the, you know, I don't know. Brighton, the Brighton game on Saturday feels like a game we should, we really should win, should, doesn't it? Whereas um, this one is, is tough. What would you, what would you rather we had as our first game back? I think there's lots of positives in it being City. Um, look, if you play City five games in when they're into their stride, then I think that would be far more difficult than maybe, just maybe, catching them cold. Obviously, Pep Guardiola is a great manager, and I doubt they're ever caught cold like that. But if there was a chance of doing so, uh, I think that Wednesday is going to be it. Um, the thing about the Brighton game, uh, if this was mid-season and uh, you know there hadn't been such a big break, playing them again so quickly with them being free in midweek would be a real negative. But I actually think that because it's after a long break, playing and then playing again quickly is a big yeah, advantage. I agree, yeah, I agree. We can yeah. catch them cold. So I really do think that whatever happens at City, I really do think that that Brighton game is there for the taking. And then um, if you look at the fixture list after that, it, it is very much up and down. There's not 
there's no there's no set of games where you'd actually say, oh, that, that's where we could put two wins together. That's where we could put three wins together. It, it looks very, very difficult. And that just, I, I just suggest it, it just brings to light where we are as a club at the moment. You're looking at Wolves away, followed by Leicester at home. And you're actually thinking, how many points will we take from that? It, we are in that kind of position. The one big thing, and I think I'll try not to make sweeping judgments because I you know, often get accused of doing that when I'm on here. But <laughs> I think this will, and I've read his notes today from Arteta, and I, I think it will leave him with very few excuses if we, if we don't perform extremely well in at least two of the next four games. Because I get that the City game, okay, we've just come back and we might be a bit rusty. Brighton away, Southampton away, and then Sheffield United away. He needs to put two very good games together within those four. Now, that's that's not a huge expectation if you're a club as big as we should be. But if you've had that long to work with your players, to implement suggestions, to tell them how you want to play, if anything, he's had the best kind of first season as a manager. I know he's not had the full season, but he's had this uh, this bridge to the season that has just come out of nowhere to allow him to have all that time to get these ideas into the players. To I know some of them haven't been on the training ground for long, but to work with them to say exactly how you want to play. And I think it will leave him with very, very few excuses if we play badly in all four of those games or don't at least see a glimmer of hope. And that has to be a worry because I really think that we're coming to a point where we can, we can start to judge him ever so slightly. I I know I went mad at the, the, I think it was the post Leeds United FA Cup podcast that I was walking around Regent's Park, listening to you and, uh, and, and Josh, and I forget who else was on the show. I think it was late. And, and I was incredulous about the amount yeah. of praise that was yeah. being... That was we, being. We remember your incredulosity, yeah. Yeah, but I, again, that's not me saying I don't want him to do well. It's me saying, can we just hold our horses a bit? Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Um, yeah, we, we understood, yeah. It was more, I think we were just feeling very positive because of our, we'd seen what Arteta as a human being and as a, you know, communicator was capable this, it is, was, this is like the Hector this is like the Hector Bellerin debate you know there's no doubt in Hector Bellerin's a fantastic human being but you can still criticize his defenders of course Same I mean, criticize him yeah no, I, mean, no. I know Gareth, what you mean I think you're right I think you're absolutely right he's he's had a pre-season hasn't he he's had effectively he's had weeks to hone the, the team the tactics and all of that he was thrust yeah. into it at the beginning now he's had a, a long period is there's a kind of Evening up, so to speak, of everyone's, you know, entering into this situation anew. I agree with you. I think he, I think this is he does have to show how how good a manager and tactician all that he is in the next. In the, I, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. One of, one of the interesting things from Germany is that David Wagner was getting a hell of a lot of stick at, at Schalke, and he they went into the to the lockdown, and he said, like, oh, "Well, I haven't been here long, and I'm going to start to work with the players." And they came back in in shocking form. Uh, I think they've got one point from a yeah. possible 15. Yeah. So all those kind of judgments can be made. And and there's a lot of talk about, well, if you've got this break and you've got this time, uh, you haven't got matches, you haven't got players flying away for international games, you haven't got cup games to think about that are going to spring up in midweek. You've just got you and your players preparing. And and like you say, it's like a mini pre-season. And we really need to see some progress here. Yeah, let's talk more about that, and we'll talk about um, what else um, Arteta said in the press conference today. He talked about Aubameyang quite a lot. I thought it was very interesting. Um, and um, I'm going to ask you as well what, what you think, what kind of team you think is going to pick. So have a think about that after this break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers. 
yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break uh, uh, with uh, me, Boyd Hilton, Josh Landy and Alan Alger. Um, yeah, so should we talk about let's continue talking about the prep the game the games coming i'm interested I'm, I'm i mean just the team selection is going to be fascinating isn't it i wonder how whether you feel you know do you think it's going to be any kind of big change from the last games we played um before the before the virus took hold or do you think is has it been going to be any major change in tactic or setup or team selection go on josh yeah well there has to be something different about having five substitutes available yeah. to you that you can use at three different points in the game. So I think overall, just having so many substitutes available to you must change, um, you know, how, how you set your your team up and, and how you go about it. In terms of personnel, I think Darren Burgess uh, was interesting, the former head of, head of fitness. He was on the Arsblog podcast and he was speaking to Andrew on that about how, Possibly you turn to your more experienced players at the moment who know their bodies better and know where not to push them in a way that a younger player might not look after their body or you might overdo it. And, and that might be interesting whether, you know, Arteta does turn to some of more his more experienced players at the start of this run of games to, to players who he trusts to manage the games uh, as they see fit. Uh, I don't know, Alan, you had any thoughts on this? Um. I mean, if you look at the sides that, that played in the um, the two friendlies that we had, I think he played. Um, he, he made his change at half time in those in those friendlies. If, if I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bellerin coming back from fitness uh, from fitness worries in the in, in that West Ham game before lockdown, where that team was about what you would say. I suppose about apart from Mari in defence would be what you would call his first choice, first choice eleven possibly. Um, you know, you could say Lacazette for Inketia, but he said so many positive things about Inketia recently that um, you'd think that he would he would get a start. Uh, with Lacazette, I suppose you're looking at age and a little bit more experience over that. I'm not sure it's going to make much of a difference, and it's it's probably going to. Be a lot to do with how you take the games in, in quick succession. He might. I, I've got a feeling that Arteta would have already worked out, much like you do when you've got uh, a weekend game and then a, a cup game a few days later, that you've probably got two squads. And I'd be, I'd be, I'd, I think I'd be surprised if there are lots of changes between the City game and the Brighton game, just based on the fact that we have. Uh, enough of a squad or a big enough squad where he might still be feeling people out and, and seeing exactly where he wants players to play. And again, let, let, let's let's remember the two games prior to the break, we were knocked out of Europe in, in a, a pretty poor home performance. And then, um, you know, we, we were outshot six to two at home by West Ham and sneaked to one nil. So I think again, there's a lot to be done with this squad, and you saw that in some of the highlights of the um, of the friendlies. And and I'll give Arteta that pass in that these aren't his players as such, so he's just going to have to make the best of what he's got. And he might not feel that that is what he actually wants to carry into next season, whenever that starts. Just so yeah, just so this was the team. I'm gonna I'm gonna this was the team we played in that West Ham game that as you say we sneaked a, a one nil victory. It was Leno, Socrates, Louise, Mari, as you say, Saka, Xhaka, Sabayos, Pepe, Urzil, or Bamiang, and Ketia. I think we forget actually how that was a pretty like Pepe, Urzil, or Bamiang, and Ketia. That's a pretty and Sabayos, that's a pretty attacking and Saka, in fact. When you throw it all together, that was a pretty attacking lineup, wasn't it? I wonder whether I mean, I'd be surprised if Pepe plays for a start, wouldn't you? I'd be slightly surprised, I think. So, I, especially against City. So, I wonder whether I think I think so. I think he's going to play Özil, Bamiyang, and Lacazette, um, and you know, probably 
Bellerin, Louise, Mustafi, I guess, and Tierney maybe, because he's because you know Tierney's a big a big plus, isn't he? Um, what do you reckon, Josh? Do you reckon that's or do you think he'll he'll revert to what to to, to no, some I, extent to what he played against West Ham? No, I'm with you on. I think on most of those experienced sort of bigger so-called names starting, I agree with you on on Tierney. I think it'll be exciting to have you know some options from from the bench of the. You know, players like, you know, potentially Saka, who can, you know, come off the bench. I think you've got to bear in mind who the opposition are for the first, you know, game. I think this is an example of a game that Arsenal just, I don't know. We we, we go with so little expectation. I think Alan maybe mentioned it before. You probably go with a bit more hope because of this whole scenario, because it feels like potentially both teams are on a, you know, some kind of level standing from not having had a, you know, competitive football for a while, which 100% puts us in a better position for Saturday in Brighton. I just think he goes with a relatively, you know, safe, stable, stable team. I don't think we'll see Eddie Nketiah start. I think Saka will be out. I, I think this will be a time to turn to more experienced heads and, you know, he'll be calling upon you assume he will be calling upon quite, uh, you know, if you've got five subs available and you've got players that are not at full fitness, you presumably go for all of them. And I think, is it right, Al, you're going to have nine people you can call, you can have on the bench for these games? Yeah, you can extend you can extend and put your squad and your travelling squad on, on the bench as opposed to which, seven. Um, which definitely benefits the bigger teams and the bigger squads. I think Dean Smith has been one of the most vocal managers going against this and saying, well, I've got a smaller squad, therefore this is, you know, is is detrimental to me. And it makes sense because if you look at Germany, injuries have gone up. So invariably we've got, what, five games, is it, in 15 days Arsenal have got coming up, something like that. Yeah, including the FA Cup game away, away at Sheffield United, yeah. Um, so it's entirely it's- conceivable. You've got, let's say, five games. We could easily have 25, 26 players involved in squads at least uh, talk, in that, in that you're period. Talking, you're talking about the, sorry, just going back, you were talking about, you know, which personnel will he, will he rely on? But if you think that, the again, the last game before the break was that West Ham game. It was about the, the sixth or seventh game where we tried the um, Xhaka dropping just out of central midfield to go and cover on the left-hand side yeah. as we attacked. Yeah. Um, I don't think he can risk doing that against City, even though it had some half-decent results in, in the six or seven games he tried it before uh, before locking down. And obviously the key to that was Saka um, getting forward on that left-hand side. Is, it, is he going to say, well, much rather Tien is there and Bellerin on the other side and we stick to a, quite a rigid four at the back, not to give them any chances and, and build from midfield and, and our full backs don't get forward at all. So he's going to have to really tell them to do something that in our last few games before the break, we were trying to exploit. Uh, and that's where, you know, good managers come in, adaptable players, the ability to know that, you know, you're going to be the underdog away from home. You need to, you need to play slightly different. And uh, I'm just not sure I've ever seen that, and, and I'm not blaming recent managers that we've had, but just adaptable squad. I just don't feel it's the most adaptable squad. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? Um, let's let's talk about though. A boy did say today in the press conference. Did you watch the whole press conference, Josh, as you used to do, or did you have uh, actual work to do? I did have some work to do. I've read the transcript in full. It was yeah. quicker than watching it. Yeah. So the Aubameyang stuff was interesting, wasn't it? Because he said, I've got well, it here. Go on. Well, Aubameyang himself had given some quotes. Yeah. You know, to uh, to French football, which I've, I've got here, which I'll, I'll just, you know, oh, you read, read out. You read Aubameyang quotes and I'll read the Arteta quotes. How about that? Well, Aubameyang said to French outlet television, recently I haven't received an offer, but of course there have been discussions with the club for a fair few months now. They know very well why so far nothing has happened. It's them who have the keys and for them to do their work afterwards, we'll see how things go. It is a turning point in my career. I'll be very frank with everyone. It will all be, of course, a very difficult decision to make because I've still not decided. It is possibly the most important decision in my career. To be clear, nothing has been decided. To be clear. So, so Arteta today said, um, 
on whether they'd had discussions with Aubameyang. He said, we've had many discussions with Pierre, his family and agent, and I'm pretty positive that we can find the right agreement for all parties. He said, um, it's our responsibility to make him, Aubameyang, feel this is the right next step in his career. In order to do that, he needs to feel valued. He needs to feel that he belongs to us and that we want him. And then he really needs to believe that we can take the club forward in the way we want to do. And he's going to be a key player to do that. At the moment, I'm extremely happy with how he's been performing and behaving. I have a really good relationship with him where we can discuss face-to-face a lot of things. As far as I'm aware, he's very happy at the club. And um, he says... Uh, it talks about unprecedented times of uncertainty, but things are getting clearer every day, uh, blah, blah, blah. Now, my interpretation of this whole thing is, isn't it just the case that it, a lot of it is going to rest on stuff like how well we do for the rest of the season? And if we get into Europe and stuff like that, Alan, what do you think? Or do you think, you know, I just think it's all about that, isn't it? Partly like if we get into Europe, I mean, I think he might be tempted to stay. Um, yes, it's still really unlikely though, isn't it? I think it's about... I mean, if, if, if Man City's ban is upheld, us sneaking fifth place and uh, taking their spot is about an eight to one chance. And um, finishing the top four overall is about 14 to one, 16 to one. Um, you know, that you're, you're looking at quite low percentage chances there of, of that kind of thing happening. And as an individual, he has to, you know, do what's best for him. And I'm sure he's got people in his ear telling him that that might not be at Arsenal these days. But the thing is, it's such a horrible situation to be in because, you know, when we, when we were a dominant force and when we were classed as a big club, you couldn't really think of this kind of thing happening. And then, and then towards the start of the Emirates era, it, it did happen and we did lose big players and, it started to feel we were smaller as a club. But what that actually does, and this is the difficult job for Arteta, it actually resonates with all the players that they are at a club that is of that size until you go on and do something again. So someone like a Bamingang will think that he's bigger than Arsenal, even though history tells you that, that he isn't. But in, in his mind at the moment, he has to think that he is bigger than Arsenal. And that's difficult. We need to get that perception level back up within our squad. Otherwise, we'll lose big players every now and again. And um, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, he was in, he was in really good form, um, you know, from, from about Christmas onwards. I think he only failed to score in about three or four of our games yeah. uh, that he played. And I know he had the, the suspension after the Palace game. He's a vital player for us. Um, he's never struck me, and maybe this is just my judgment being a bit off, but he's never struck me as someone who's irreplaceable for Arsenal, um, despite the many, many goals that he scored. I, I don't ever see him in, in an irreplaceable light, but at the moment, it's going to be very damaging to lose him. So that's a bit of a contradiction. <laughs> yeah, I guess... Irreplaceable is a, is, is a uh, very loaded word, isn't it? I, I, I guess for me, it's like, well, he's obviously our prime asset to me. I mean, I think he's just like, you know, as a player who could create goals out of nothing and is incredibly reliable, as you say, scoring, his, his record is incredible. He can kind of rouse the team out of stupor as well and kind of grab game. I just think he's close to irreplaceable and I can't see us getting a player. I mean, we've got some brilliant attacking talent, thank God. So I think even if, you know, the likelihood, I'm sure you would say at the moment is that he would go. But, and we've got Nketiah and Martinelli, et cetera, which is, which who are great attacking, attacking talent, maybe Pepe will come, come good. Um, but there's something about him that it just feels like it's another, it will be another example of our best player, our best asset. Not big Sorry, boy. Go on. Sorry, Boyd, how far has Lacazette fallen that you haven't even mentioned him there? Well, I, to be honest, <laughs> I, I'm absolutely honest with you. The only reason I, did, I didn't want to have that conversation, <laughs> so I deliberately... Okay, okay, yeah. sorry. To... <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's just, no. You're fully... I mean, you only purely... Go on. You mentioned the young players and successful young players that have come through at big clubs always have to come through with the key experienced older players staying there 
Yeah. They they never they very rarely come through as actual replacements for those players. You think of, you think about someone like Vieira. Look at the look at the people he got to play with um, when we signed him as a, as a young lad from AC Milan. You know, you look at all the stars that we've had. They don't just emerge off the back of that unless it's a very tight knit group of youngsters that that have gone through a youth team. And and I don't get that vibe from our players at the moment. I think individually they're all really good. If you just chucked our best, say, under-23 team out there, it would be lacking in so many areas. And that's why they need, you know, and again, this is a bit of a freebie season for Arteta. I don't think, I really don't think we're going to get, I don't think we're going to achieve top six, top five, uh, certainly not top four. So I think it is a bit of a freebie for him to, to, to play those young players in with the experienced older players and if he gets one more season out of a Bamiyang who can play with Martinelli and with Saka and, and with players like that, then it's, it's going to be a huge benefit going forward. If he doesn't and he has to just rely on the players that are, are staying or aren't sought after elsewhere, he's going to have another difficult season. And it'll, it, that cycle will keep repeating. No matter how good a manager is, he is, it will keep repeating unless he's got fortunes to spend. And I'm sure... Josh will correct me, but I don't think we have got fortunes to spend. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because I, I think, I know what you mean about it's unlikely. I, I don't think he, I don't think Arteta, and I don't think the team, I, like, I don't think Aubameyang are sitting there going, oh, it's eight to one for us to get into the top, into Europe, or I just don't think they see it like that. I'm sure Arteta feels we can make top six. I'm sure he thinks, you know, yeah, we're ninth, you know, we're what point behind Spurs, we're, you know, I'm sure he thinks... So it's difficult. It would be, be pretty difficult for him to say, you know, even even at the back of his mind, oh, we're not going to make it. So I might as well mix the youngsters with the with the experience. I just don't think he's going to be thinking like that. I think he's going to be going, yeah, we can make. We can, we've got to finish as strong as we possibly can and possibly get into Europe. Josh, I'll you, oh, sorry. I'll tell you who was good at knowing the odds. Arsene Wenger always seemed to get it right whenever he was called. Like uh, we got a percentage chance of winning this game. He's always very close to what the actual bookmakers were. So. I'm not sure if he did pay attention to those things, but they'll have an, they'll have analysts at the club that are as good as the bookmaker analysts telling them exactly what chances are of things happening and games they should prioritise. Yeah, I think we have to accept, Boyd. It'll be, it is, un, unfortunately, very unlikely we make it into the Champions League next year and unlikely we make it into the Europa League, you know, through through our league position next season but just touching on Abamia, I just wonder about the players thoughts on this they've been asked to take a pay cut which obviously is impacted by European qualification or otherwise for, for them let's say 12.5% was rumoured to save the club around £30 million what, what are we going to get for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with one year left on his contract I, I doubt that figure is wildly different I just think you have a very tough time turning or being able to turn around to your dressing room and go, well, we know we've asked you to take a pay cut. And now last year's, let's not forget, Premier League top scorer. I mean, it's been a while since we had one of them. You're talking about Van Persie. Yeah. You know, last year's Premier League top scorer, 22 league goals. He's undoubtedly the person you want to see on the Arsenal team sheet. You know, when you go to the Emirates and think about how you're going to score goals that day. I think it's a really tough move. I, I think I probably am in the thoughts now of going, well, even if he goes for nothing the following year, everything would make it seem that, you know, for the players, for the club, we we, we are going to need him, you know, next yeah. year. Well, I we agree. We're going to need him next yeah, year. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, 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 think, I think all of these quotes now is making it quite clear that the whole, you know, keeping him to the end of his contract and all that, I think that's disappeared as, as, an, as an issue now. I think just, it's just all about... I feel like they want to. They'd rather keep him. Alcester would rather keep him. Is is he going to stay? And if not, then you know we'd rather give him play him out next season and and see what happens. Yeah, which I, mean, I know goes com- against the big like you know announced priorities of the club and the and you know and the, they, they don't want to get to this position again. They have gone to this position again, but I feel it's different. With Aubameyang is a separate case, isn't he? For me, I feel it's like a unique situation where he is by far our best asset, and they have yeah. to go out to to get, to get him to stay because he would help us you know, in, in the, in the, in the foreseeable future. So, so clearly. There has to be something in given the times we're going through and 
the transfer window will clearly not be what it would have been in a normal year and there'll be less money sloshing around between the big clubs that therefore must limit his potential destinations uh, and therefore you I, it also seems to be why he could potentially end up staying another year i wouldn't expect these the, these comments that he that he's come out with could just as easily be interpreted as saying everything he possibly can to put pressure on the club just to come back with a bigger deal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, 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 you know, yeah. It, it, it's not, uh, you know, much as you say, oh, I can be honest and transparent. It's a big decision for me whether I stay. Well, you, you can say that, but really written in that is, is I will say everything I possibly can get the best deal on the table. And it could be that his intention is to stay and, uh, you know, and, and take, yeah, how much more money can he earn somewhere else? You just wonder at the moment in this situation how many massive contracts are going to be handed out. Yeah, um, we're running out of time. So, should Alan? Uh, can you? What is the betting on the on the game on uh, Wednesday at the moment? Do you know? City are the eleven to four on favourites. Uh, the draw is three to one, and Arsenal are seven to one to get the win. That's actually been backed. Uh, but that price cut, I think, is is something to do with those Bundesliga stats as well. Alan, if you had to be on one of those three options, home, win, away, win, draw, where, where is your five pounds going? I know we, we chatted about this on, on text messaging in, uh, in the, uh, the weekend, didn't we? And uh, I'm with you. You know, if you're given a free bet, you might as well back the outsider in such unusual circumstances. And, you know, you've just got to hope against hope that something goes right for us there. So I'm gonna. I think it's time for predictions. I mean, let's face it. Predictions are the only thing that keep this podcast uh, going. It's our. No, that's not true. It's not fair. They're they're one of the unique, uh, constant elements of this podcast since the very first episode all those years ago. Um, you know, so we have to predict what's going to happen in that game on Wednesday. It's tough, isn't it? It's really difficult. I don't know. I'm thinking about it now. Um, Josh, <laughs> what do you think's going to happen? I think we will come second in this particular fixture and lose <laughs> 3-1 to Manchester City. And uh, we head into hopefully Brighton where we can uh, kick off our second half of this season uh, back in fashion. I, I just, I, I want to believe that our fitness coaches have done something incredible that other clubs haven't. I want to believe that we must improve, but just Man City's squad is just so strong. And unfortunately, I think our long-awaited lack of victories away at the Big Six continues. Alan? I I think, look, I, I just cannot see us keeping a clean sheet. I just think it's beyond even any kind of reckoning that we can keep a clean sheet here. So um, I, I think it might be 3-1 to City. Um, as I said, if I had a free bet on the game, I'd back Arsenal just because it's unusual circumstances. But it would be very very unusual for us to keep a clean sheet. So 3-1, I'd, I'd agree with Josh. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go 2-all. Um, yeah. Blind, blind boldness. Based on absolutely nothing apart from the fact that um, I don't want to predict the same thing as you two. Um, and then the, we, we, we'll probably, we need to predict the Brighton game as well, don't we, really? Of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, I mean, I'll I, go. Go on. I, no, I was going to say Brighton are one of the clubs that have been you know, uh, vociferous, weren't they? In terms of the the they are probably more affected. You could say they've got their home games against bigger clubs and feel that not having their home support will mean a lot more to them. They certainly, you know, a lot of their hierarchy and the manager came out and said to to that effect. I think our season is uh, is back on track with a with a two nil win away at Brighton, Boyd. Alan? Yeah, I think I think we'll win there. I can't see us keeping a clean sheet, but uh, I think it'll be 2-1 to Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to say 3-1 to Arsenal. Yeah, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet either. Um, well, it's been a joy to have you back, Alan. Thank you very much. Uh, I just wanted to mention actually one final thing is I'm very excited about the fact that I think it's brilliant that um, Black Lives Matter is going to be on the back of all the shirts, aren't they, in the Premier League, which is, which is a move, as far as I understand it, like the players just kind of decided they'd do it and the Premier League couldn't very well turn around such as such as the incredible I'm going to end on a political note such as the incredible real change in society and attitudes 
in recent weeks that it's now unacceptable, quite rightly, for the powers that be to not let players express these things. Because a few, if, you know, a few, a few months ago, they, you would never allow that the FA would, the Premier League would never allow such a statement to be. But now they have to, thank God. And I'm excited about that. Um, and uh, and and I'm incredibly excited about the football about the football season coming back generally. Um, Alan, any last message before you go? No, I echo what you're saying there. And uh, as you say, that they've got the players involved during lockdown by saying that the, the captains have been on these calls. And I bet the players feel a bit more empowered now to yeah. say, well, yeah, we're going to do this. And uh, they've been listened to. So it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just seeing what Marcus Rashford has been doing. I mean, he's a sort Incredible, of... Incredible, yeah. You, you almost wish he was one of yours. Also, just proud of... I guess to to just see what he's doing, he's so eloquent and the way he's speaking on BBC News today, it's uh, it's amazing. Just on a final note, Boyd, we've got people... Hector Bellerin though. We've got our own little Marcus Rashford in many ways. Carry on. <laughs> is everyone invited to your Zoom call for Wednesday night, Boyd? Is it an open link? Are you going to be doing uh, on Twitter? No. no, it's not an open link. No, no. Let's let's not get carried away here. <laughs> okay, I just I just thought maybe in this uh, new can. age you can join. I mean, for sure. I'm probably with Al. I'm not sure yeah. zooming is for for me. Getting, I don't know, um, but I, maybe I'll maybe I'll pop in at half time and see how you're doing. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Alan. Um, uh, cheers, guys. And cheers and thanks, Josh. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. And and uh, good luck to the Arsenal. Like, please God, let's we let's do something against City and or Brighton. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.